Amen. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. First uh, Timothy chapter two. Lord, we just commit this message to you, and I just pray, Father, for open hearts to hear your word, because you said, Lord, that we would know the truth, and the truth would set us free. Help us to have an appetite for truth. Help us to have a hunger for truth, eternal truth, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. First Timothy chapter two. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. You know what, let's read it together. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all men, for kings, and for all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Amen, you may be seated. Praise you, Jesus. You know, the Bible here says that first of all, and that establishes prayer as being a priority in our lives. It's interesting, it finishes by calling on the men, reminding the men to pray, because we all know the women are going to pray anyway, but the men need a little bit of encouragement, amen? But, it, it, you know, it's interesting, it says first of all, because um, it's not that we don't pray, but many times um, our priorities are wrong uh, in prayer, uh, because, uh, you know, many times our focus is primarily upon our needs and so I know this is the fourth part of this series and I, most likely I'm probably going to have one final part next week um, to finish uh, but I think it's important to, to understand that uh, there's nothing wrong with praying for your needs the Bible says your father knows what you need before you even ask him um, you know New Year's Eve I'm going to be giving you a, a very special message simply entitled ask amen God wants us uh, you know to ask he wants us to, uh, to, to ask him God loves to do miracles he loves to heal he loves to deliver he loves to move in our in, in our situation he even said to ask for nations I'm asking for Ireland in Jesus name amen I'm asking for Great Britain I'm asking for the nations of Europe and the nations of Africa and Asia and all through the nations we, we need to ask for nations amen because looking at the signs around us uh, it's evident that Christ is coming back and we must be prepared but the reality is this is there are so many who surround us who do not know the Lord they do not know Christ they're not ready to face eternity and so it says I urge first of all that prayers intercessions uh, petitions uh, it says and giving you thanks be made for all people for kings and all those in authority and we don't have a king uh, but you know we have governments and so you know I, I really believe that a large part of our focus Focus needs to be for our governments we need to pray beyond our own personal needs and pray for our governments because again this has been a difficult time for them I don't necessarily agree with many of the decisions they've they've made at times but 
that notwithstanding that, as Christians, we are called to pray for our government. We're called to pray and, and, and to intercede and not to curse them, amen? And so this is, this is important because the Bible says, if we will pray for them, that we will lead peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Amen. So, you know, for us to simply exercise our faith, it's important we have the right government. You get a, a government that is far left in power, you know, you, it starts to encroach on your religious uh, freedoms. Fact is, over these last two years, many of our religious freedoms have been uh, eroded. Uh, they might have been well-meaning in the changes that were made, but I don't believe it was good that churches were closed for the best part of nine or ten months um, uh, over the last uh, year that, that passed. And, um, and you might say, well, you have to stay home and stay safe. That's fine, but you know what, as a pastor, I was dealing with people self-harming, domestic abuse, depression, despair, uh, you know, even hearing of suicides out there, even among believers. It was very, very tragic, along with people losing the ability to provide for themselves and their families. And so it's not as simplistic as some people would like to present it, you know. And, and so, uh, again, I believe the church is very important, and that is why we have to pray. Amen? We have to pray for our governments. We have to pray that, you know what, God will either change our leaders or or he will change them and put somebody else instead of them, amen? He'll either change their hearts or put somebody else in. That's important. But it says um, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So God wants everyone to be saved. We're not against anybody. God loves everybody, but he wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just say truth. You know, because we're living in a generation where, you know, there's this view that there is no objective truth, that a man can magically become a woman. You know, and, and that there are those who, who seek to even cancel the very idea of, of a woman. And that's, I mean, that, that is not logical. It's not biblical. And it's not scientific, okay? And so, again, God wants people to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is, um, uh, you know, there is such a thing as objective truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Jesus didn't, if somebody could try and kill the smoke, it'd be great. Hallelujah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting concerned that the Lord's about to rapture me or something. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. But you know what? God is good, isn't he? Isn't it wonderful to be in God's presence? I tell you something, amen. And, and you know, we love everybody that's watching from home, but I tell you something, there is something special that happens when you physically come to gather as the church of God, as we have done. Let me say, as we have done for the last 2,000 years, the church has gathered on Sunday. You look at the, even the writings of Josephus, who was a, a Jewish historian. He wrote about how on early Sunday morning, the Christians would gather to worship and pray and to have the word of God preached. And so, again, it's important. This is, this is very significant. There is tremendous spiritual significance to what we do by gathering as the church. And so, it says that God wants all people to come to be, to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus did not present himself as one of the ways. He didn't present himself as an alternative. You can come by God, by Jesus, by Buddha, by Allah, by Krishna, by whoever. No, he said, I'm the way. And that is what we believe as Christians, that Jesus Christ truly is the Savior of the world. And so, 
Um, uh, today we're doing the second last part because there's no way I'm going to get through it all today. But you know what? I, I truly hope this series has encouraged you and inspired you to pray. Because again, like I said, during this series, I've sought to deal with the, uh, the why as opposed to the what. Too many times as Christians, we want to get straight to the what without dealing with the why. And so uh, let me say this. Uh, you know, in a time when we're being told to study and shop and socialize and exercise, and work and even worship from home you can see the need to pray or at least you should you should see the need to pray and so I think this is important because I don't know about you but I have no interest whatsoever in surrendering my rights and freedoms to anybody and I have no intention of being imprisoned in my home through fear and paranoia Because I understand there are Christians that are sick or have pre-existing conditions that, you know, precludes them from getting among gatherings of people. But let me deal with paranoia for a moment. Because there's a lot of Christians I haven't seen in two years. They have bailed on church. And I simply say to myself, you know, what we've seen over the last two years has been terrible, but it is nothing compared to what is coming down the tracks. So if you're going to bail on church, you know, over what we've seen over the last two years, you know, I, I pity you, because you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it based on what we may see in these years to come. Because for many years, Christi you know, Christians have been persecuted in China. The Communist uh, Party of, of China are, are, are those who rule in China, and they've been persecuting Christians for years. That's why the church had to go underground. And so, again, I, I think it's important that we're not naive, and that we don't deal with the freedoms that others have fought to give us, that we deal with those freedoms flippantly, or, or, or allow others to take them without standing up for them. And so, I, I think Think this is important and so like I said you know it is paranoia if you have no problem walking into Tesco or walking into Aldi or walking into Centra every day of the week but suddenly Sunday comes and oh, I can't go to church what is that about I want to live my life and that's simply not possible without going outside my front door. So you know what? I just applaud every one of you today for going outside your front door and bravely facing the world. Because destiny cannot be accomplished without danger. There is no reward without some risk. Yes, there is some risk in going outside your front door. You might catch COVID. You might be hit by a bus. You might be hit by a meteorite. But you know, there are some people, I honestly, I honestly believe they may never go outside their doors again. And I think it is tragic. It is not how God wants us to live. I'm not talking about being reckless. We're taking the precautions that are necessary. We want to do everything we can to keep people safe. But I believe in what we do. I believe the church is important. I believe God deserves to be worshipped. I believe the saints need to gather. Because the Bible says where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So Christ is here today as we gather. Destiny cannot be accomplished without danger. There is no reward, like I said, without risk. 
Because if safety had been the utmost priority of the early disciples, we would have never heard the gospel. It would have never gone beyond Jerusalem. Even Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland, who, like I said, happens to be British, I think it's important, so don't hate Britain or the British people, let's love them. Amen? It was a British man who brought the gospel to Ireland. God, complete silence on that one. <laughs> but Patrick came to Ireland in the face of great danger and opposition. The fact is, the, uh, you know, the penalty for an escaped slave was death. And yet, he heard the voice of the Irish. An angel came to Patrick, and uh, the, the angel's name was Victorious. And uh, he had letters, and, and it said, the voice of the Irish, Vox Hibernia. And because Patrick chose to go back to Ireland, there were many of his family and friends who said he was reckless. They were criticizing him. They were saying, what are you going back to that heathen land for? You know, endangering yourself. And yet he went with a message of life and liberty. And on Easter Sunday, over by Tara, he lit a fire. It was forbidden to light the sacred fire because only the king would light the fire at Easter uh, during Bealtaine, which was a pagan festival. And yet Patrick, on that Easter uh, morning, he, he lit a fire and it was, sit, it was seen all around that area. The king came and Patrick boldly took a stand and God moved in that situation. And so the gospel began to go forth throughout this land. And yet even all through that time, Patrick many times risked being imprisoned being killed, being attacked, and that's why if you read Patrick's breast, breastplate, Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ at my right hand, Christ at my left, amen, Christ behind me, Christ in the lips of those who speak of me, Christ in the hearts of those who think of me, you know, it was very real to Patrick. That was a declaration of Christ's protection in what was a dark and a pagan land. But he came with the light of the gospel. Amen. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Can anybody say today, Jesus is Lord of my life. Hallelujah. His light has shone in my heart. Glory to Jesus. I am free because I'm a child of the King. Come on. Anybody here love Jesus today? Because sadly, stay home, stay safe may end up being chiseled on the tombstone of some people who may never go outside their front door again. You see, there's a very real danger that out of a fear of dying, that we end up not truly living. And I want to live my life. Amen. I don't know about you, I was born in the 70s, so, you know, I've had a taste of freedom. You know, a lot of people condemn and, and judge, you know, the Polish or the Romanians, you know, because many of them haven't signed up to this whole thing, and um, they think they're being rebellious. They're not. It's just they're not naive, because many of them have had a taste of socialism, and they don't want to go back there. That's a fact. Because many of the changes that we have seen over these last two years are clearly not about health and safety, they're about control. 
Two years later, this nation is much less free than it was. And again, I've made my point. I've gone to great pains to express the fact, I don't care what you have done, whether you've taken it, whether you haven't taken it. I haven't taken a position. All of the hundreds of people that have called me about it, I've told them the same thing. Do what you need to do. Consult with your medical practitioner. Consult with the Lord. Follow your conscience. Whatever you do, that's fine with me. But I'm talking not necessarily about a vaccine. I'm talking about a system today okay there's a system that's being put into place that is gradually encroaching upon and eroding our freedoms freedoms that previous generations fought and died to purchase this week in the door a TD Michael McNamara asked the question are we going to impose these restrictions until we reach the end of liberal democracy as we know it because again, you know, this thing just seems to be just never ending. You know, Angela Merkel's parting gift to the German people will most likely be mandatory vaccination. You know, Bild is a very big German magazine, the former editor-in-chief of Bild at Riechenthal. He referred to the upcoming compulsory vaccination as the biggest political breach of promise in the history of the Federal Republic of Germany. You know, they, they, they plan in Germany, as in Austria, um, to impose, uh, like I said, uh, you know, uh, these restrictions uh, to the point where those who are unvaccinated will be banned from all aspects of public life. And again, like I said, th th there's no problem, uh, you know, if you have it, if you don't, but if we believe in a free and a fair society, this is an alarm bell, or at least it should be sounding the alarm. And, uh, you know, the only rights they will have will be to go out and buy food or medicine. And you may respond, but pastor, it's not a problem. I've already been vaccinated. Good. Good for you. But once you accept the principle that governments can mandate behavior and discriminate against their own citizens, forcing people to violate their conscience, uh, to violate their sincerely held beliefs and convictions, you are on the slippery slope to dictatorship. Because it may be a vaccine today, and yeah, great, you may be on the right side of this today, but you know what? It may be a vaccine today, it may be the indoctrination of your kids tomorrow, it may be the forced euthanasia of those who are elderly after that, and after that it may be the banning of the Bible under the whole uh, idea of hate speech, because there are parts of the Bible that are no longer palatable or politically correct to our apostate and rebellious generation, but you know what? We believe it is truth. And so, again, I'm not talking, I'm talking about principles. And as the church, we need to awaken. And I just want to say to all of the pastors who have been cowards over the last two years, and you've said nothing, you've kept your head down, God's going to deal with you. You have a responsibility to be a watchman on the wall. And this is so important for us. We are watchmen on the wall. The Bible says, you know, let not many teach. They're going to be subject to a more strict judgment. I'll tell you something, I walk up here on a Sunday trembling. It's an awesome responsibility because as ministers, we are stewards of eternal truth. We're walking, you know, in, 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 in the shadow of, of, of spiritual giants who've gone before us. Paul and Peter and John, people like, like Wesley and Whitfield. 
Wigglesworth, all of these men who testified to truth in their generation. Men and women who stewarded the truth, who are faithful with the truth, irrespective of the consequences. Many of them, you know, sealing their testimony with the blood that they shed. I want to be faithful. And I want to honor God. And that's why I'm going to speak because I know when I talk about things like this, it offends people and makes them mad. That is not my aim. That is not my, my desire. But you know what? If it offends you, be offended. Because as Christians, truth must prevail. Truth must be the paramount thing in our lives. You know, the reformers, they, they had a motto, sola scriptura. Sola scriptura, which is Latin for scripture alone. We must come back to the Bible. We must come back to where we, like the Bible says, those who tremble at my word. Do you tremble at the word of God? Because you are going to be judged in eternity by the word of God. <clears throat> this is just a prologue, but once we get through this, I'm going to get into the message. Let me ask this question, if your health really matters, if your health really matters so much, why do they never mention exercise? Why did they close gyms? Why did they never, never mention vitamins or diet or God forbid losing weight? Thank you for that one hallelujah on that one. I don't know about you, I've been doing this for 35 years. I work out at least five times a week. I do my best to eat right. I fast regularly. I'm not trying to put myself, I'm just simply saying you need to look after your body. You've just got one body. I've worked most of my life in the motor trade. I understand, you know, if there's an issue with a car or a truck or a machine, you just order another part, you bolt it off, put it back on. You can't do that with your body. You've got one body. If you abuse it, if you neglect it, if you don't take care of it, you're going to be in trouble. And too many times we're trying to pray ourselves out of messes that we have played a part in causing. You know, if God wanted you to smoke, he would have put nostrils in the top of your head like a chimney. But if Big Pharma are the ones with the only answers, I would just simply say, their answers do not seem to be working at the moment. And people say, well, trust the science. It's a little hard to trust the science since this whole mess was caused by scientists messing around in a lab in China. And this isn't about demonizing the Chinese people, it was most likely globalists who were paying for all of this. But you know what? Nothing says trust science like a global indemnity clause that says you can't sue if you happen to be one of the people who are hurt by this. And so, again, I, and, and I see the benefits of the, the vaccine, particularly for those who have had it. it they definitely seem to have much less, um, you know, severe symptoms. But, you know, this is the reality. They told us, get the vaccine and life will go back to normal, and it hasn't. Now they want, they're saying the same thing, get your kids vaccinated and things will go back to normal. Can you see a pattern here? I mean, I can't. They want to ma mask and vaccinate five-year-old kids. I don't know if you saw, a couple of days ago I saw this really creepy video by Justin Trudeau. 
You know, talking to five-year-old kids saying, I know you're really excited about going and getting vaccinated. There's no kid alive is excited about getting an injection. Come on. But these people are just on another planet. And, um, but, but you know, like I said, it started with two weeks to slow the spread, but it's starting to smell a lot like socialism to me. Okay, because there's a spirit behind all of this. And if you can't see that, then I feel sorry for you. But as the church, we need to pray. Amen. We need to pray because let me say this and then we'll move on. Your constitutional rights as a citizen and your human rights as a creation of God are not dependent on your medical status. You know, I was in, in praying with a dear lady, member of this church this week who had been sick in hospital and... Um, just before she left the hospital, and she's battling some, some uh, she's had you know, pre-existing physical issues, let me say, uh, for the last number of years. But uh, before she left the hospital, the doctor came up to her and said, you know, I need to speak to you before you go. And say, you should be ashamed of yourself keeping a bed in this hospital because she had COVID and she wasn't vaccinated. This lady who's in her 70s looked this guy in the eye and she said, I've been paying tax here all my life. I probably paid for your training. Shut up. Because when you get to a certain age, you don't care anymore. And like I said, let's just show each other some respect. If somebody chooses to, somebody doesn't choose to, we're all part of God's family and let's stop attacking each other and demonizing and judging each other in Jesus' name. We've been looking at some key aspects to answered prayer. I just wanted to get that off my chest. I feel much better now. But we've been looking at, at, at aspects to answered prayer because going through the motions will no longer cut it. This is a day where we need to get a hold of God in prayer. And more importantly, we need God to get a hold of us. I don't know about you, this whole week, this message, you know, first you get a hold of a message, but then the message gets a hold of you. And it's, it's like something verging on uh, uh, obsession because you just can't get it out of your mind and you're, you're wrestling and you're up late and you're seeking God and you're praying and, and this thing is just going through you. And, and, you know, it's important for us that, that in this season that we are praying, that we're not spectators. Don't be, a, don't be a spectator watching what's happening. You need to be praying. And that's why there's a number of issues we need to deal with. I'm, I'm just going to deal with a few of them this morning, then we'll finish it next week. But I'm talking about key aspects to answered prayer. Because sometimes we're going through the motions and we're praying prayers and we don't really expect them to, to come to pass. But God wants to answer our prayers and if we will follow these keys, if we'll be mindful of them, I believe we will see answered prayer. And the first one is this, family. Ephesians 2.19. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you're also being built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. The Bible says that we are a literal dwelling place for God. You're no longer strangers and aliens. 
It says, uh, but you are citizens with the saints, but not just citizens, you are members of the household of God. You know, my children walk to the fridge and they take whatever's in there. You know, they walk into the presses and they, they take whatever's in there and they have the most annoying habit of putting the empty wrappers in there. So, you, so, you, so you're going, you're looking, oh, that'd be nice. And you, it's just empty. But uh, that's just the reality of five kids. But, but the Bible says we're members of the household of God. You see, if you get this revelation, it will change your prayer life. You will have a confidence in prayer like you've never had before. Because you, you will ha have that confidence that, you know what, God will answer my prayer. The same way as when my children have a need, they're confident that I will meet their need, that I will do whatever it takes to make it happen. And so, again, you are a member of God's household, a beloved child of the King. You see, God hears your voice when you pray. You matter to Him. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, you are His special treasure. And so, He will not forget you, and He will not forsake you. Why? Because you are His Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. Here God declares his ownership on you, that you are God's property. Why? Because he purchased you with his precious blood at the cross. And when you get that revelation, you can say, you know what? Back off, devil. I'm God's property. In Jesus' name, I command that sickness to leave my body. I command that depression to leave my mind. I command that strife to leave my home. Why? I'm a child of God in Jesus' name. That is not who I am. That is not for me. Amen? And so, again, you're a child of God. And that's why it says, fear not. For Thus says the Lord who created you, O Israel. And he who formed you, fear not for I've redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I understand these last few years have been difficult. And I'm not in any way negating what people have faced. But you know what? The Bible says that when we pass through the waters, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Yeah, it'd be wonderful if God always brought us around the storm, but sometimes he brings us through. But you know, I'm reminded of the words of Winston Churchill, if you're going through hell, keep going. As a pastor, you know, I, I deal with people so many times that have so many terrible issues. Maybe they've been betrayed or maybe their, their marriage has fallen apart or they've got kids and drugs or they've a loved one in prison or they're struggling with addiction or some sort of dysfunction in their lives. You know, it's, it's difficult to see people suffer. But one thing I know about God is he will not leave you. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Amen. Sometimes you're like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You are thrown into the fire. But you know what? It's in the fire that you meet Jesus. It's in the fire that you encounter his love, his mercy, his provision. And that's how the Bible says we are kept by the power of God. Could somebody say amen this morning? Come on. We are kept by God's power. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, you covered my head in the day of battle. And yes, the day of battle comes to every one of us when you will face a foe that is bigger and stronger than you. But you do not face that alone because the Lord is right there with you. Amen. And that's why he said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You're not going to be burned when you go through the fire. Why? Because the Lord is with you. Nor shall the flame scorch you. 
Isaiah chapter um, 49 and verse 14. And it says, but Zion said, the Lord has forgotten me and my, forsaken me and my God has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Here God is saying, I will not forget you. Some of you feel like you've been forgotten. You haven't been forgotten. God sees your need. He sees your situation and change is on the way. Breakthrough is on the way. Hallelujah, healing is on the way. Whatever you need, he has it. Amen, and that's why I said I will not forget you. Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. That word literally means in the Hebrews, I've tattooed a picture of you on the palms of my hands. Isn't that beautiful that God has your ugly mug on his hand? Glory to God, looking up at him. He can't forget you. He can't forget you. He, he, um, don't take that personally, okay? Hallelujah. He has a picture of you on his hands. Family. Secondly, faith. Hebrews 11 and 1, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, your prayers will not be answered without, pray, without faith. And this is the problem. Many, it's not that we're not praying, but many times we're not praying in faith. We're not really believing that the change will come. And so, again, uh, Mark chapter 6 and verse 1, and it says, He went out from there to his own country, and the disciples followed him. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. You see, their unbelief stopped God from moving in their lives. Amen? And so it's so important to understand that unbelief grieves the heart of God. Amen. The disciples, he rebuked them. He said, bring the child to me in Matthew chapter 17, when, uh, the, you know, the boy with epilepsy. And um, it says Jesus was grieved. He was, he was angry. Why? Because the disciples didn't have the faith to set this child free. Amen. And so... Um, it says, verse 17, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. You know the answer to your problem? Bring it to Jesus. Amen. Bring it to him. Jesus rebuked the demon that came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if your faith is a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Just declare today, nothing will be impossible for me. Amen? True faith. You need to say it like you mean it. Nothing is impossible for me. You need to believe that. We serve a God who loves to make the impossible possible. And it says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. If you want your faith to grow, you need to learn to fast. Amen? Just go without a meal, maybe once a week or twice, you know, maybe uh, two meals, you know, or, or just fast for a day, drink water. You know, because there's something about putting your flesh under. You know, Jesus... 
uh, you know, he showed us, you know, that, that prayer and fasting are key to great faith. And so this, this is important for us to understand that it grieved the heart of Christ to see this little child um, uh, not, not being set free because, you know what, God loves people and it grieves him to see, see people sick and suffering and he expects us as ministers to minister to the whole man. You know, we must preach a full gospel. One that not only offers hope in the next life, but one that offers hope in this one. One that offers hope, deliverance, healing, and wholeness in this life. Amen. And no excuses will be accepted. We must demonstrate the gospel to our generation. You know, Sam uh, 71 deals with this, and it says, thank you, Lord. Sam 71 and verse 18. So also when I'm old and gray-headed, you know, when I, was, when I was 17, I prayed. I said, Lord, I'm praying for, for three things. I don't ever want to lose my teeth. I don't want to ever lose glasses. And I want to keep my hair. I've managed two of them. So I suppose, you know, what was it? Was it Meatloaf used to sing, two out of three ain't bad. So, <laughs> okay. Um, moving right on. But it's important. It says here, when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. You know, I make no apologies for believing that Jesus Christ heals today. And, and again, if you want to refer to that as health and wealth, if you want to refer to that as prosperity preaching, then so be it. But you know what? You will answer to God for denying his promises and demonizing and disrespecting those who do. I believe the promises of God. I believe that when Jesus healed 2,000 years ago, I believe he's the same. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever, amen? And so again, when you feed your faith, you starve your doubts, and this is so important for us. But, and you may say, well, how do I feed my faith? Well, a good start is come to church on Sunday. Sign up for Bible school. You know, read your Bible on a daily basis. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So feed your faith by reading the Bible. And um, Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. Luke 5 and verse 12. Here talking about Jesus. It happened when he was in a certain city to behold a man who was full of leprosy. He saw Jesus. He fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and tell, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed. You know, many ministers are only preaching a partial gospel because they don't believe in healing. But the Bible says Jesus Christ, the same. He still heals today. It says they came to hear and to be healed. And if you say, well, that's passed away, uh, you, know, that, you know, that passed away with the apostles, then we don't have, you know, the Bible says we have a better covenant established on better promises. And you know what? Uh, if, if you say Jesus doesn't heal today, then Jesus is not the same. If Jesus 2,000 years ago healed people, but Jesus today doesn't heal people, Jesus isn't the same. But the Bible says, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And so they came to hear and to be healed. And it says um, in verse um, 19, then behold, they brought in a man uh, uh, who was paralyzed, they brought and lay before him. And when he 
they could not find how might, they might bring him in because of the crowd. They went up in the housetop and let him down with his bed through the, um, uh, through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, so our faith can be demonstrated by our actions, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus perceived their thoughts. And he said, why do you reason in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? And it says, Jesus said, but that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them and took what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we've seen strange things today. So you see, Jesus Christ answers our faith. He answers our prayer if we will reach out to him and touch him by faith. And you see, this is the thing. Prayer in private is key to power in public. You know, the power of God, the Bible says, was present to heal them in Luke chapter 5, and yet there's no record of any of the Pharisees being healed. The power of God was present to heal them. And this is why, church, I think it's so important to understand if a church doesn't believe in healing, they will never see it. And, you know, they take that as a self-fulfilling prophecy. They take that as, as proof that God doesn't heal. But God will only go as far as your faith will, will allow him. Amen? God won't force anything on you. Okay? And so this is why it's important for us. You know, it's according to your faith. Just because God has something for you does not mean that you will receive it or walk in it. Amen? It's only going to happen for those who believe. If you believe, you will receive. And so, if you believe, in spite of what you see, feel, or hear, Mark 9, 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. These men put their faith into action. They had a friend who was sick, who was paralyzed. They came, the Bible says there was such a crowd they couldn't get inside the house. And so, they decided to try a different approach. And so, they decided to dig a hole in the roof of this person's house. I'm sure he wasn't excited about that. But you know what? Uh, like I said, they, they, they tried a different approach because faith will always find a way. Don't hide behind excuses. You need to work to make it happen. You know it was work to get him on top of the house. It was work to break a hole in the roof, but it was worth it. And this is why many times people don't understand. You have to, uh, the Bible says, faith without actions is dead. Amen. We have to work and cooperate with God. And this is why, again, we don't dismiss the promises of God through unbelief or tradition or our true misguided understanding of sovereignty. I know what God's will is because I know what God's word is. If you know God's word, you can know God's will. And, and this is why, again, God's word and God's will are one. You see, testament literally means will. We have the Old Testament, the New Testament. And so it is literally God's will. So I know what belongs to me because I've read the will. I've been reading it for the last 30 years. And so this is what many people don't understand. You will only know what belongs to you if you have studied the will. Because whether it's healing or peace or provision or prosperity or whatever else you might need in your life, and uh, you know, God will meet your needs. He will bless you. Amen. And again, He will bless the work of your hands. People take all sorts of extremes on this and oh well will God just start raining money down on me no if you get off your ass and get a job you might start getting some money <laughs> silence of the lambs we have to cooperate with God if you want to be blessed get a job 
go to college, study, do what you need to do, amen? Then don't complain, oh, the governments are only giving this, and they're only giving that. Listen, the more you ask the government to do for you, the less freedom you end up having. You do know that, yeah? Because this victim mentality that is, you know, permeating our society right now is not good. Because it's, it's ultimately leading towards a point where government will own everything and run everything and you will have no freedom whatsoever. So again, it's good to get a job, go out there, work hard, make it happen in Jesus' name. Okay, so you know, many good people go without simply because their eyes have been blinded by tradition and by a toxic theology that teaches them to reject the promises of God. Say, not me. Amen? Not me. Amen? Psalm 119 and verse 18. It says, open down my eyes that I may see wondrous things out of thy law. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know the hope to which you have been called. Amen. So God wants to open our eyes to the glorious possibilities that exist for us as children of God if we will just simply reach out and pray, if we will just simply reach out and touch him by faith. As the worship group come forward today, amen, if you want to stand to your feet, amen, in the presence of the Lord, thank you Jesus. Um, We've just dealt with two points today, faith and family. And I think that's, that's more than enough for us to reflect upon because, again, you are a member of God's family. He loves you. He has called you. He has a plan for you. You know, some of you need to stop trying to earn what God has given by His grace. Amen. God will bless you. God will help you. God will guide you. But you need to stop trying to be good enough to earn what God purchased for you at the cross. You see, the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so, again, I want you to do something in, 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 as we stand here in God's presence. If you could just lift your hands to the Lord for a moment and could you just begin to thank him? Just begin to thank him for the fact that you can see out of your eyes. Begin to thank him for the fact that you were able to walk into the stadium this morning. You know, if you have loved ones, if you have people who love you, give God thanks. Like I said, if you had a roof over your head last night, give God thanks. I was on the outreach yesterday with Liam and uh, my God, I was frozen. I felt the cold coming up through my feet. And you know, there was, a, there was a homeless man just sitting there by the wall and I went over to him and I can't imagine how cold he must, have, he must have felt. I can't imagine how cold it's been over these last number of weeks to be lying down in a tent at night trying to keep yourself warm. I was just out there for two and a half hours. I was frozen to the bone. Didn't seem to affect Liam at all, but you know, he's a big guy, so you know, he's, he's, he's a tough, I said, Lord, I've gone soft, but you know, it just broke my heart as I started to think of these guys, you know, lying on the street at night. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of another day. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, I really feel the Lord saying to me, there's some of you here, do you, your biggest issue is that you're ungrateful. You're focused on the one thing God hasn't done yet. And you're forgetting the thousand things He has done for you. Not just over your lifetime, just over this last year. 
God has protected us. God has provided for us. God has directed us. God has lifted us. You know what? If nothing else, if God never did anything else for you, He has forgiven us. He has shed His blood on the cross. Christ took our place on that cross bearing our sin. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want for one moment to give you an opportunity if you've never received Jesus as your Savior. If you don't have that assurance that heaven is your home and that Jesus Christ is your Lord, I want to give you an opportunity today to respond. 